When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Okay, second intermission. Canada leading the United States 4-2 semifinal at the World Junior. It was Waugh that got the latest goal. Fantilli, Stankoven, and Bedard have also scored after the United States took a 2-0 lead in the first period. The U.S. did have a goal disallowed for goalie interference uh, that would have tied at 3-3 that I'm sure is going to have a lot of people pulled back into the goalie interference debate. Never gets old, does it? Earlier, Czechia over Sweden, 2-1 in overtime. So Czechia will play for gold against the winner of this game. Late second period in the NHL, Devils up 2-1 on the Red Wings. Hamilton has his ninth. He sure has his 17th, both on the power play. Later, Tampa Bay at Minnesota and Dallas at Anaheim. Oilers tomorrow against the Islanders. It's on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the faceoff show. The puck will drop at 7. In the NBA, five minutes left in the second quarter. Milwaukee, 30. Raptors, 24. A lot of discussion about what ails the Oilers. Is it fixable? Who's going to fix it? <laughs> uh, can it be fixed internally? Are they going to have to make some deals? Well, they will make some deals. But, I mean, let's face it, most of this roster is going to be here for the remainder of the season, however long that is. Uh, obviously, you know, pretty disappointing where the orders are. They are in the wild card spot when it comes to points. They are uh, out of the playoffs when it comes to points percentage which I tend to look at when there's a, a big variance in, in games played. I mean, they're in the race. Um, it's just, you know, again, I used to say, you know, four to six more points is you'd probably feel a little bit better. Now now I'd probably say six to eight more points. I mean, they have 42. If they had 48, they'd be third in the division, just two behind L.A. If they had uh, 50, they'd actually be tied with L.A. and only four back of Vegas with a couple games against Vegas still to be played. But uh, they have let some points slip away, especially on home ice, 0-4-1 on their last five at Rogers Place. Big Bad Joe is on the Certainty Hotline. BBJ, go ahead. Hey, Reed, how are you doing, man? Good. And I'd like to call what Paul did, uh, the caller before me, because, you know, I said this afternoon to Bob the same thing. I don't like, you know, that he caught away from rolling all four lines. But what I like is to point out, you know, we've been fixing the team. The ball is in Holland's hand. And let me tell you, he has experience. He's a good gentleman. And he the ship out. But what I notice, and that's my opinion, when Nimalayan plays with Bouchard, Bouchard seems to be more comfortable, though. Do I see that right or do I see that wrong? I'll take your word for it. I don't know if I've noticed it uh, in that much detail. I'd have to, yeah, I'd, I'd, I can't think of that off the top of my head, so I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Okay, everything will be okay, Reed, though. Don't worry, man. We make the playoffs. I, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm going to choose optimism. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. 
Um, I, I mean, and then it's, as we know, it's a crapshoot, but obviously we, we're seeing some concerning, uh, concerning things here for sure. Appreciate it, Big Bad Joe. Also have Kim on the Certainty Hotline. Kim, you're on with Reed. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. How are you do, doing? Not bad. Good. Hey, I just want to follow up. I called you last night about uh, the shot blocking, and, and you brought up that stat. I thought that was pretty interesting about we're 25th in the league. Um, do you think that, uh, it, like, it's important that everybody starts to play to get out of the comfort zone and play, um, maybe do stuff that they don't necessarily want to do right now to get us out of, out of the funk? Do you, like, do you, do you think that's possible for everybody on the team to do that willing to do the little extras right now uh here's how i'm going to answer that i'm not going to answer with a yes or a no right i'm going to say i'd sooner see some players do what they were paid what they're being paid to do uh because i i think that's a larger problem than some players not stepping outside of their comfort zones. Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying, and certainly once teams get into the playoffs, then it's usually everybody hits, everybody blocks shots, every, you know, everybody does this. I, I think the Oilers are at the point where they're, they're going to have to almost start playing like the playoffs, which is going to be I exhausting. But I, I think that, I mean, look, I know Bouchard is getting picked on, but I'll use his as an example again. Like, he, he knows how to get the puck out. He knows that he should be making stronger plays with the puck on his stick instead of some of the little flip plays he's tried that have led to turnovers. I, I, before I before I criticize players for not getting out of their comfort zone, I'd like to see them do the job that they're actually being paid to do. You know, win more face-offs, offer more support scoring, throw more body checks down low, clear pucks out of the front of the net. That's how I would answer that, Kim. Yes, exactly. No, I agree. I just, I just think last year after Tippett got fired and and uh, Woodcroft took over, I, it just seemed like the guys were willing to do the little extras to 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 get us back on that winning track. And maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe I, so I'm seeing it wrong. But it just they seemed to be more committed last year after, like I said, Wood, Woody took over. And um, so I just like to see that commitment back again, kind of like that desperation. Maybe it was more desperation last year because they were, you know, they were on that long losing streak. And I just like to see that hunger and that desperation back in everybody's play, everybody's game. And uh, that's about all. I'll let you take it from there, Reed. Yeah, well, and I think that's why, and I've referenced this before, and Sirius Gord uh, brought it up. I mean, this is a test for Woodcroft as well. Uh, I, I mean, he clearly had an impact on the team last year. Well, you know, he needs to have an impact on the team this year as well. Does he need to go back to maybe rolling four lines a bit? Possibly. Uh, I mean, I think he has shown that he's willing to just say, okay, Jack Campbell, you're being outplayed. I'm not going to start you every second game just because you were supposed to be the starter. He's shown that he's going to play Skinner more often. Be curious to see what he does in net tomorrow. I, th I would assume it's going to be Skinner going back in tomorrow night. Um, he, you know, he... he, he <laughs> Sirius Gord said, okay, Woodcroft called the timeout and apparently it didn't impact the team. Fair enough. We used, to, we used to get a lot of calls that Dave Tippett wouldn't use his timeout. So, you know, a timeout's not an automatic fix. But, but I do agree um, Woody is one of the guys who's, who's being tested here. And, and I think Ken Holland as well. I said it last night. Ken Holland's tenure as, as Oilers general manager could ultimately be remembered for, for what he does over the next couple of months. Because this was a high expectation year uh, that so far has been at least a little bit underwhelming, maybe a lot underwhelming. I won't, I, I won't call I'll, I'll, I'm going to be a little more optimistic. You, you guys don't have to be. I'm going to call it a little bit underwhelming. 
So what what moves can he make that might push the team over the top? You know, you got to give Holland credit for. Well, you don't have to because I know some of you never will. But, but I mean, bringing in Evander Kane. You know, he signed despite Campbell's season. He signed Jack Campbell. I mean, you know, there were other teams that wanted Campbell. A lot of you guys wanted Campbell. Um, but but I think these next two months are going to be a really big test for sure for the coach and for the general manager as well as the entire roster. Jared is also on the line. Hi, Jared. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Uh, touch on what the previous callers were talking about, and I agree. Watching last year, it was nice to see more players be involved. Just trying to get inside uh, Woody's head this year without the same defense that he's got i don't think he has the same and he shouldn't have the same amount of trust that he had in the defensive group that he had from last year they just seemed a little more stable uh so i wonder sometimes if he feels like and i don't know the stats or whatever how many times they're they're behind the eight ball and they're chasing the game uh to me it seems like it's probably quite often uh maybe that's why he's, his bench isn't as long as it was maybe last year when he had more guys buying in and he, he was able to do that uh, rolling of the lines um just a thought but i agree it's it's it's, it's hard to get into a game uh when you're only getting you know a shift every whatever five minutes or whatever it is six minutes seven minutes for some guys probably uh i don't know how you get into the floor of the game uh yeah would, would you consider uh the other thing would you consider woody to be like a player's coach or i think from what i see it seems to be more of a, a player's coach uh yeah i always how do you define that first of all well, not like old school where they just, you know, they're, they're, you know, yelling and screaming and really, you know, like just, you know, full of P and V and, and after the guys about every little thing, maybe a little more balanced, uh, obviously still being, you know, constructive and, and criticizing guys when they need it. But the reason why I bring that up is it just seems like he doesn't, and I'll touch on what Spec talked, uh, talked to Bob about earlier, is he needs to start sitting some guys down and letting them have a view from the press box and maybe just have a little reset in their mind and get to watch the game from a different perspective, that helps. And it maybe gives the guy a little slap across the face, like, wake up, you need to do a better job out there. Because like you said, guys aren't getting, they're not doing what they're paid to do. Bouchard, I mean, Piarvi's getting $3 million. I mean, like, a number of players. The list goes on and on and on. But I, I would, uh, yeah, I, I would call Woody um, like a very instructional and detailed coach. Yeah, I, I agree. The uh, kind of the old school, just telling guys how awful they are all the time and motivating them that way. That's kind of out of the game right now, probably out of most of pro sports in general. Um, I mean, even a coach I like who's in his 70s, Pete Carroll with the Seahawks. I don't know if you ever watch it. Like, he's always running up and down the sidelines, chewing gum, and clapping his hands. You know, he's in better shape than some of the players probably. But uh, I like I, I know from from interviews I've done and just casual conversations that occasionally you might get to have with a player like you know Woody's always got his laptop under his arm and he's showing a guy a piece of video so I think he's pretty detailed that way Uh, I I would assume he's still doing that this year Uh, also another one of your points the Oilers have scored first 18 times in 39 games which means On 21 occasions, they have not scored first, so not terrible. Not as bad as it was earlier in the year. But you're right, falling behind changes what they do with the lines. And and with this, with Woodcroft, and with Tip, and with Hitchcock, and with McClellan, well, we're behind. you got to put Leon and Connor together. I don't know. Are you damned if you do, damned if you don't? If, If you fall behind 
two goals and you keep rolling four lines and you lose, yeah. are you going to get criticized for playing Kaleem Costin and Dylan Holloway as much as the big guys? And then if you put the two big guys together and you don't catch up, you're saying, well, you just overplay those guys and you're, you're screwing other guys out of ice time. I don't know. Maybe you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't with those two guys on the team. <laughs> No, it's very true. And I, I guess last point, uh, I'm sure you got other calls, but um, guys like, uh, and Spec touched on this as well, and I'd love to see some other guys get some opportunity for some uh, top six minutes, like like Janmark uh, and like uh, Costin, because uh, I think he's they've proved themselves to be able to probably handle a little bit extra load. And guys like uh, Yamamoto, unfortunately, I like the guy, but and, and JP, can maybe take a little bit lesser role while they're trying to figure out their game. And maybe that'll help kind of give them a little wake-up call, too. It'd like be nice to see some other guys who are, are really putting in the effort and, and showing up every night and doing what they're paid to do get some more opportunity. I still wonder if... I, I wonder if Ken Hall is going to wait till Evander Kane comes back before he does anything. My concern there is what if it's too late? Like, these next six games are big. Like these next six games are big games. You're only now you're only three games above 500. What if you go two and four, and now you're only a game above 500? Well, St. Louis and Nashville might pass you. Yeah, it's a log jam already, and it's going to get worse. So, yeah. All right. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> That's all right. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We're hearing uh, again. You know. I I think some frustration. I think still some guarded hope with some of the fan base, but a, a little befuddlement as, as well with uh, with the team and, uh, you know, some coaching decisions. Like I said, you can see, well, you could do this, but then, you know, maybe that's not going to work and you're going to get asked why you didn't do this for sure. Uh, 780-496-0063. Happy to hear from you tonight. Uh, like I said, Kelly Rudy's coming up between 7 and 7.30. The United States has scored, um, but it's being reviewed again. So tell you what, let's get a, do the timeout right here, Derek, and then we'll uh, let people know what happened with the Coach's Challenge. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. All right, it didn't count. The U.S. goal didn't count, so it's still 4-2 Canada, 18-43 left in the third period. The United States has had two goals disallowed. In the second period, the the U.S. player had the puck in front. He got the puck in front with his back to the net, and he bumped the Canadian goalie as he shot the puck in. But he was uh, deemed to have committed goalie interference. Uh, this one was a little more obvious to me. The U.S. player pushed the, the Milich's pad into the net. The Canadian goalie Milich kind of pushed his pad back and then the puck went in. I didn't think this one was going to count. I wasn't sure about the other one because the player did have control of the puck, but I guess they ruled you still can't bump the goalie, uh, you know, if you have the puck, which was outside the crease at the time. So interesting calls, 
and we may have a penalty now. Yeah, I think Canada just shot the puck over the glass. So the United States will get a power play here. 780-496-0063. Derek Scott working in the uh, control room tonight. Derek, how are you doing? Good, Reed. You? Well, I'm doing very well. I, I'm enjoying the discussion. I feel a little bad that it's an angst-ridden time for Oilers fans. Oh, it's tough. They've been through enough over the last, well, long time. Some people would take it all the way back to 1991. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is my 10th season doing this job. What I did the last three seasons of the Decade of Darkness, so that was tough. Then they then they got good. Then they were kind of bad again. And some promise in the last uh, three years, but now... So up and down. The, the, you know, the, the candle's flickering a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> A big game coming up tomorrow against the Islanders. Any uh, any written correspondence coming in? Yeah, well, I'd love to tell you that these are positive texts, but uh, it is what it is. So this is from Yakushev. He says there are only oh, three nice players time. on the Oilers that are top two-line players. Combine that with, this, with suspect goaltending, a team that can't play defense, and a coach that sounds more like a politician than a hockey man, and this is the result. That's from Yakushev. Uh, well, I, first of all, Whatever he thinks about Woodcroft is his opinion. I, I, sure. I would think that Hyman, Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins are all top six players. Now, I think McDavid, I, Nugent Hopkins I like better as a winger in the top six. And to me, Kane went healthy. So I, I would uh, I would argue that point that they have only three. Did he say three top line players or three top six players? Only three players on the Oilers that are top two line players. Oh, now, see, I'd see they have five, definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. But that's fine. Uh, next one here is from JT in Leslieville. He says, the Oilers have too many players who don't excel at anything. I think if you're a bottom six player, you need to be above average at least one aspect of the game, play tough, be a great shot blocker, win face-offs, or just do something that helps the team win. The team just has too many floaters that don't contribute anything meaningful and don't play with any emotion. Yeah, I think there's some validity to that comment. You know, Rob Brown often has talked about, well, you got to have a dimension. Um, you know, if you're if you're not a, a scorer where you're, obviously, McDavid and Drysaddle are well over a point a game, but, if, again, if you're not one of those big five guys, what do you do if you don't put the, the puck in the net? Are, are you a wizard on the penalty kill? Are you uh, are you a, a face-off expert? You know, that you, you, you win 55% of your draws. Are you, well, even a power play specialist? I mean, a guy that, that I liked and everybody knows I covered his career going back to his HHL days was Mark Letestu. I, I mean, he he was brought in to be a, a fourth liner, and oddly enough, he, he became a bit of a power play specialist that one year when the Oilers were looking for a right-handed shot to one-time the puck, and he told me. He was like, oh, I just said, I'll do it. So they, <laughs> they put him on the power play, and he just thought, I'll one-time the puck. If I, if I fail, they'll take me off. Whatever, but that's what they want. So he just went out there and did it. Uh, I, yeah, I, but I think that's an interesting comment. Are, is, are there enough players after those top five? Well, let's still include Kane, even though he hasn't been playing, who have a very dependable dimension. Um, I mean, I think Costin is, is trying to craft it out. He, he didn't maybe have a, as great a night last night. Did Drew draw that one penalty? Um you know, I, I, Derek Ryan does what he does. I think he's an intelligent player. He doesn't always play a ton, but we've talked at least he can finish some chances. I mean, his five goals are more than some other guys who are expected to fit in a little bit. Um, I, I think 
I think Yamamoto has a dimension. Like, uh, the motor never stops going with him. Is he productive enough? Well, no, he isn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, wh where does Fogel really fit in? And I, and I guess maybe as a whole now, and we've talked about this before, are, are the Oilers, are, are they sort of an aggressive enough team? And I, and I guess maybe aggression isn't the right word because I'm not saying we'll go out there and just grab somebody and beat them in. But, but are, are, I, I guess we default to the old hard enough to play against term, right? Do, do they have guys who show up to the rink in a bad mood? You know, who just say, or, or, or do they have enough players who just show up saying, I'm, I'm going to make this a miserable night for you to play against me. Even if you beat me, you're going to you're going to feel like crap after the game because I'm just going to be so miserable to play against. You know, do they have enough players like that? And I suppose you want those players specifically in the bottom six. So the so the offensive guys can go out and do their thing like to me, one of the most miserable guys to play against on the Oilers is Dreisaitl because he's also physical and can be a little cheap with his stick and all that kind of stuff. You know, would, would you sooner have somebody else maybe doing a little bit of that uh, so Dreisaitl didn't have to be the guy doing it? But, yeah, that, that's an interesting comment. That was Tyler from Leslieville? Yeah, uh, JT. JT, sorry. Yeah. I think we looked up where Leslieville is a little, a little while ago. Beautiful <laughs> community. Well, let's just search it. Uh, we do have June on the line as well. Oh, sure. June, did you say? Yep, like yep. the month. Yeah, right on. June, go ahead. Hi. I have a different take on it. I, I don't think the problem lies with the uh, management level. I think uh, the problem lies at the uh, player leadership level, which you've got by title and uh, McDavid. Uh, unfortunately, McDavid is a wonderful player and he's the best player in the world, but he is a very poor motivator. When I listen to him being interviewed, it just makes me want to sleep. It, it makes me want to give him a shake and say, speak up so I can understand what you're saying. I just don't think, I mean, he it's supposed to lead by example and i guess he leads by example wonderfully but he does not lead by motivating he doesn't make the players excited he doesn't talk like he's when he speaks he's not excited about the game he just sounds like he's deeply disappointed and i i just think that is a real demotivating factor and it leads to a culture where you have a captain that's put on the pedestal i mean in in one way he should be because he's a wonderful player but he's in the wrong role you need a captain that's going to motivate the players and not only lead by example but lead by being enthused and excited and encouraging that's that's my take i just uh, i just wonder how that I, I believe that that really contributes to the culture of the team and the environment in the locker room. June, I'm honored that you listened to the show and I'm honored that you called. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. That is June at 780-496-0063. We also have Kelly Rudy ahead. Rob Brown's going to break down the World Junior Game. Canada is up 4-2 with 14 and a half minutes left in the third.